KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, March 2nd. A deal has been reached to reopen schools. We'll have more on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria launched the San Diego Community Power on Monday, also called CDCP. It's a new government agency designed to purchase wholesale clean energy on behalf of customers across the county and speed up the transition to renewable energy. It creates a situation where our cities and our economy and our climate all see significant and tangible benefits. And with the launch of San Diego Community Power, we are taking bold steps towards cleaner air, more livable neighborhoods, and a thriving green tech economy. For now, CDCP is powering municipal buildings, businesses will come online in June, and residential customers in 2022. San Diego County is accepting applications from South Bay residents for its Citizens Law Enforcement Review Board. That's according to the City News Service. The board will investigate citizen complaints against sheriff deputies and probation officers. Applications will be open through the county website until April 2nd. Comic-Con will be online again this year due to health concerns. The online version will be free from July 23rd to the 25th. Comic-Con is planning to host a three-day in-person convention in November, but more details on that are yet to come. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by... Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. State legislatures have reached a deal with Governor Gavin Newsom on how to reopen public schools. The agreement will send billions in funding to districts who can reopen by the end of March. Locally, San Diego Unified School District is hoping to get in on the offer, but there's a catch. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong has more. We incentivize opening up our schools by providing real resources to do it. The money will be split into two allotments. The first is $2 billion for districts that can open TK through second grade before April 1st. To qualify, districts must have a seven-day average case rate below 25 per 100,000 residents. Those that reopen after the deadline can still qualify for some of this funding, but they'll lose 1% of their allotment for every day campuses are closed after April 1st. The state's remaining $4.6 billion will be divvied up among all districts and be targeted towards addressing learning loss during the pandemic. Districts will be able to use this money on a range of things from purchasing more PPE to extending the school year into the summer. Once you dip your toe in, once you build a cohort confidently, once you build trust, then we will start to see a cadence of reopening across the spectrum. But again, 
on the basis of building confidence and trust. San Diego Unified School Board President Richard Barrera says the district could qualify for up to $100 million of this additional funding. However, last week, the district announced it will begin its next phase of reopening on April 12th. But since the district's spring break is the last week of March and teachers are scheduled to be back on April 5th, Barrera says the district should still get a full share. It allows us uh, right after spring break uh, to have a week where the staff is on campus preparing and getting trained in all the mitigation strategies that are necessary to keep everybody safe in order for uh, us to be able to then bring students back on April 12th. Another caveat is that in February, district officials reached an agreement with the teachers union to not reopen schools until after all teachers are vaccinated. Teachers union president Keisha Borden said they will not be changing the agreement to meet the state's April 1st deadline. Many educators received their first dose of the vaccine over the weekend. Most of those educators received the Moderna dose, which requires four weeks between doses. So I'm not sure if an April 1st deadline is even possible. The state legislature will vote on the funding this Thursday. And that was KPBS education reporter Joe Hong. Meanwhile, with the momentum to reopen schools growing, education experts say they're concerned about students who have fallen behind during the pandemic and that achievement gaps are widening. CAP Radio's Pauline Bartoloni has more about how English language learners will be among the students who struggle the most to get back in sync with their peers. Luther Burbank High School teacher Larry Ferlazzo is trying to make the best of Zoom school. We're going to continue to learn about the Transcontinental Railroad. He's using interactive quizzes to teach history and basic English to non-native speaking students in the South Sacramento neighborhood. Okay, one minute to sign up. The families of Ferlazzo students come from all over the world. Afghanistan, Central America, Vietnam, the Pacific Islands. It's hard to connect with them through a computer. While he teaches them the word available, almost all of the students have their cameras off. Do you have any time available today to study English after school? Awesome. No, I do not have time available to study English. I'm very busy. His students are very busy. Emily Carrillo is a senior, and her family came here three and a half years ago from Mexico. She works part-time at a grocery store in addition to going to high school. She said it's harder to learn English at a distance. When we were at school, we kind of communicate more with our classmates. And this year, during the pandemic, we don't even talk sometimes. But it's not just the technical glitches and physical distance getting in the way of learning. Verlazzo says some kids have trouble just showing up to class. There are the distractions at home. Many of our students are having to take care and assist younger siblings. A fair number of our students are also having to work nearly full time to help their families during this recession. Then, of course, there's the virus itself. There's a case in my class at least every week. I have students who tell me that they or their family members are suffering from COVID-19. Recent research out of Stanford University suggests all these hardships may be setting California's English language learning students back more than their peers this year. Heather Huff of Policy Analysis for California Education says the younger kids especially are learning less. In the fifth grade, our research shows that students learning English are about 30% behind where they would be in a normal year in English language arts. 
compared to 10% for students that are not learning English. Huff says the learning gap is directly tied to the different supports kids have at home. In some families, you know, students have full-time tutors or even a credentialed teacher who's at home supporting their learning or a parent who doesn't work who's supporting their learning full-time. And then on the other end of the continuum, we have families where perhaps there isn't an adult at home during the day at all because all adults in the family are out working multiple jobs. English learning students are almost a fifth of California's public school population. As the legislature and the governor hash out how to reopen schools, many say summer school may be in the cards, but it has to be engaging to kids. Sabah, can we see your niece? Ferlazzo is trying to do that until Sacramento City schools reopen. The youngest kids could go back in early April. But these high schoolers might not see each other again until May, and only if the COVID threat level goes down in the county. We don't want to come. And that reporting from CAP Radio's Pauline Bartoloni. Coming up, the closures at Petco Park's vaccination superstation have some people worried that their second dose will be pushed back far beyond CDC recommendations. We'll have more on that and more local news just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. The county's largest vaccination site near Petco Park in downtown is closed through today due to a lack of supplies of the Moderna vaccine. And some people are worried that their appointments for a second dose of the vaccine are getting pushed back beyond the CDC's recommended interval. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman spoke to an infectious disease expert who says that's not necessarily a bad thing. People should not worry about being delayed. UC San Diego infectious disease expert Dr. Douglas Richmond says he knows that the CDC recommends second doses be delivered no later than six weeks after first ones. But he says historical data shows booster shots for other vaccinations can wait up to six months. So even if you have to wait eight or ten weeks, it's not like your immunity disappears. The CDC says right now there is limited data about how effective doses are after the six-week window, but says that they can still be given. When those studies were designed, we had no idea how good these vaccines would be. And it turns out these vaccines are better than anyone expected. And as a result, uh, those of us who have looked at all the data are reassured that um, There's really good protection after the first one, at least for several months. Richmond says a letter was sent out to those who might be getting their booster shots past six weeks, but pretty soon some people might not have to worry about booster shots. The single-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine has FDA authorization, and state officials say doses could be here by the end of the week, even though the J&J vaccine is slightly less effective than the Moderna and Pfizer one. It still uh, protects you from hospitalization and death. 
Large-scale vaccinations for law enforcement officers and staff like 911 dispatchers are officially underway in San Diego. Workers uh, that support law enforcement, they're eligible now, a wildlife management emergency, so it's a very, very large group. Scripps Health has been tapped by the county to administer vaccinations to all of the local law enforcement agencies. Previously, some departments had been getting leftover doses that would have otherwise gone unused. I guess the surprising part is as we're reaching out to the departments, we're finding that most of them are already vaccinated. A reminder for teachers and those working in K-12 through schools, those vaccinations are being scheduled by districts and the County Office of Education. Other county-sponsored vaccination superstations are still operational, and officials are setting appointments based on available supply. Smaller sites like the one at the Tubman Chavez Community Center also remain open. And that was KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department announced the first jail inmate to die of COVID-19. But the news comes three months after the 62-year-old man died. iNews Source investigative reporter Mary Plummer has more. Idel Loretto died on November 21st at Sharp Chula Vista Hospital. According to the sheriff's department, he was transferred there in an ambulance the week before his death. His daughter says the family believes jail staff didn't provide proper medical treatment until it was too late. The sheriff's department delayed announcing the death because they were waiting for the county medical examiner to complete its investigation. That wrapped up early last week. As of Friday, 11 people in San Diego County jails had COVID-19 and about 80 more were isolated out of precaution. And that was iNewsource investigative reporter Mary Plummer. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. If you want to see the Carlsbad flower fields this year, there's some new rules you'll have to follow. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has more. The Carlsbad flower fields are in full bloom, but this season is going to be a little bit different than before. Okay, if you'll take your barcode and just go right on up, they'll scan it for you. As you go if you want to get an up-close look at the more than 50 acres of flowers, there are some new rules to combat COVID-19. They include face masks, social distancing, and mandatory online reservations. Tickets will not be sold at the door. I think it's going to sell out. You know, that this is outdoor recreation at its finest. It's open air, sunny, beautiful, nowhere in Southern California like it. Fred Clark is the general manager of the flower fields. Clark recommends booking in advance as more people will be looking for outdoor activities as springtime approaches. And there's something new this year. Pick your own blueberries. When you pick blueberries and you eat them, they taste so much better than the ones you get in the stores. The Carlsbad flower fields are open from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day until Mother's Day. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. That's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.